0: So, how many of you guys were, were with us in the, at the high school? Raise your hand. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we did this thing. I think it was called the Kingdom Assignment. And uh, I heard an um-hmm over here somewhere. Um, it was this awesome thing. And, and one of the awesome things about being led by such a creative, crazy guy is that sometimes Jason will go, you know, I just wonder... And everybody stops and listens like, okay, what's this, what's this wild, out there, God-driven thing that he's going he's gonna to put out there for us? Well, this thing, Kingdom Assignment, worked like this. Um, Pastor Jason, at the end of this rousing sermon, said, all of you who desire to make a difference in the kingdom of God, I want you to come up right now. Um, I want you to stand and say, I am making a difference in, in my community. And, and all these people were, were coming up to the front, and uh, I got to be one of, the, one, of the, one of the people that got to enjoy this. What people didn't know is that myself and, and, and our elders, and I don't know how many other people, were, were standing on the sides with pockets full of $100 bills. I know, crazy, right? And as they came up and they surrendered themselves to do this kingdom work, we were like, Handing hundred dollar bills and 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 pastor jason 's challenge to them was to take this and prayerfully invest this in, in, in someone or something that will that will further the kingdom and and I remember especially watching the video there 's this one young fellow he was he was standing there and the, he saw that hundred dollar bill in his hands you i don 't think he'd had that much money in his hands ever. We're not sure what he did with it, but the Lord, I'm sure, um, worked, worked through it. But here's the thing. That was pretty cool. But what if I told you there was a donor in the church that said, I remember that day, and that was so cool that I want us to do that again. And, and I don't want to just do that. I want to step it up a notch. What if this donor said... Instead of doing $100, I want to do $1,000. I want to support the people of 1910 Church to prayerfully take this investment and reach out and be able to invest in someone in this community to change their life. You know, there's a lot of people out there that that $1,000 would change their life. Right? So, I'm not asking anybody to come up right now, but, but who in here would say, I would be a part of that? Anybody? Awesome. I would be a part of that. Well, guess what? I'm not telling you that. There's not a $1,000 in my pocket. Although, <laughs> although I did have the thought of, of bringing $1,000 and pulling it out of my pocket, but... Um, you can ask my wife, it would probably not make it home. Um, how, along with my Bible and all the other stuff, they'd be like, hey, Robert, I found your Bible over here. Yeah, I would end up, yeah, it would be on the floor somewhere. And someone would have a great Sunday at my expense. So no $1,000, no thousand but I want us to hear something this morning. We still have that challenge, but we have something to invest in someone that is so much more than $1,000. It's the grace of God. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Yeah, a $1,000 might change someone's life, but the gospel changes what? Our eternity. So in this second installment of the One More Series, we're going to talk about praying for the lost. We're going to talk about just as if we would take that $1,000 Lord, who should I bless this with? We're going to take this gospel message and say, "Lord, who should I bless this with?" And some of you some of you guys especially out there, you know, are probably saying, "Well, Robert, why do I have to pray? You know, I already know that God says, you know, Jesus said, "Go and make disciples." So, I should just go out and do it." Well, you know, <laughs> I'm reminded of Acts 1-8. It's one of the last things Jesus said to the disciples. He says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So, this thing called evangelism, this thing called sharing the gospel, our witness, is not a human endeavor. It is a spiritual activity. It is a supernatural activity. So, we need to pray. We need to make sure that the things that we do or don't do are guided by God's Spirit. Because when we do that, even if we get in the middle of something and we're obedient to Him and we in our own minds think that we totally mess things up, we can't mess them up. Because God says His Word doesn't return void. Amen? So, why should I pray for the lost? Why should I pray? Well, because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And so what does it change? Number one, we pray because it changes our hearts. It influences our hearts. Have you ever noticed that? If you're having an issue with someone, especially someone that you have a hard time with, when we pray for that person, well, unless we're praying that God will smote him or, you know, Send fire out of the sky, Lord. Yeah, that probably won't change your heart. Hopefully the Lord will. But, but when we really pray, usually the first thing that changes is us. And so the reason why we pray for the lost and we pray about who should we share with is because it changes us. And so I wanted us to take just a second to look at a few things that would remind us of the things that when we pray... God will align our hearts with. God will take these things and convince us that they're true. Not just up here, but in here. He will convince us that these things are true. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And as Jesus' heart was moved, he spoke to the disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Obviously, Jesus' major concern was for us, right, for the lost, what if, what if we had? What if we saw people and our hearts were moved with compassion? Our hearts were moved with this idea that people need to be out in this world sharing the most important thing ever. Now, let's look at Paul's heart. And, 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 and I'm sorry, you know, I would love to be able to say that, that I am here or I would have ever been here. But uh, maybe the Lord can continue to work on me. But this is what Paul says in Romans 9.3. He says, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Paul's heart ached for his his Jewish brothers and sisters so much that he said, Lord, I would be willing to sacrifice my own eternity so that those of my own people could come to know you. Whoa, that's some passion, right? Right? And lastly, this is one of those Hello McFly kind of verses um, when we think about the heart of God. Uh, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus wasn't just moved with compassion. He was moved to the cross. His whole reason for being here on this earth was the cross to give us a chance to say yes to him and to experience not just life with him here but life with him through eternity so when we pray it changes our hearts when we pray it aligns our hearts with the heart of the Holy Spirit and the things that break God's heart will break our hearts I pray that God breaks our hearts For those that don't know him, for those that are on this path to eternal separation from him, they're on the path to hell. So, number two, why do we pray? We pray because it influences other believers' hearts, other believers. Do you know any missionaries? Do you know anybody who has said, I will vocationally step out and do whatever I can, wherever I can, to to share the gospel? whether it be here in the U.S. or across the sea. Do you know anything, anybody like that? If you don't, you should, because they're, they're, they're heroes. We had one in our first service, uh, Greg Lewis. Um, he's somebody that, that we, that you, as a, as a church, support. And he goes out into all kinds of places, uh, friendly and not so friendly, to the point where if he was found out, there's a very good chance that he could end up in prison or, or worse. So here are some things that, that could move us to pray. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, this is Paul talking. And um, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then he says this, pray also for me, that what, whenever I speak, words may be given me So that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We should pray because it changes the hearts of those who are on the front lines. It changes the hearts of a friend of mine who is in Turkey, who is putting his and his wife's life on the line because they say, We want to love the world as Christ loved the world. They need our prayers. Matthew 9:38 says this Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his field. So we need to be praying for more people. In a minute you're going to see why we need to be praying for more people. But here's the thing. When we pray for more people, I want to encourage us to say, Lord, maybe that's me. To at least open the door to say, Lord, I pray for these guys that are putting their lives on the line every day. Maybe it's it's across the the world. Maybe it's here in our our community. There's a couple right now that is interviewing for Apartment Life. It's it's, It's a place where, a ministry where you go and you live in an apartment complex. And you just love on people. And you wait till God opens the door for you to share Christ with them. Uh, people on the line, and I would ask, Lord, is that us? If that is, send me. I will do that. So number three, why do we pray? We pray because it influences the hearts of the lost. It makes a difference. Like I said before, the gospel is a supernatural thing, it's not this cognitive process that someone goes through. It is, it is spiritual. John six forty four a says this, No one can come to me unless the Father sent me draws them. So, guess what? Take all the pressure off of us. We can't save anybody. We can talk till we're blue in the face, but if the Lord is not drawing someone with his spirit, it's not going to do anything. But, If we are willing to realize that God is the one that draws people and we say, Lord, I desire to partner with you in that. Lord, show me what to do. Show me where to go. Show me what to say. Show me what not to say. And I understand that you're the one that draws and I would love it if you could just allow me the chance to be there to be used in the process. We can't save anybody. Next. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Why do we pray for others? Because they need us to stand in the gap. There's a very good possibility that the God of this world has blinded them to the wonder of the gospel. They cannot understand and so we pray, Lord, I stand against the enemy. I rebuke him in their life. I ban him from their life in the name of Jesus so that their eyes could be opened and they could see the depravity of their soul and their need for Christ. We need to pray because it influences others. Four, here's a crazy one. We pray because eternity hangs in the balance. We pray because eternity hangs in the balance. I read a statistic, and I didn't believe it, but, you know, it's on the Internet. Everything's true, right, on the Internet. No, but this is a real one. As of December 2016, according to Sperling's Best Places, only 54.41% of Bernie residents claim affiliation with any religion. 54.41%. 54.41%. This is the Bernie bubble, right? Where it's cool to be a Christian. That's what the stats say. Now, you remove the 3.62 of the Mormons. That leaves us with pretty much 50%. One out of two people are lost in your community, in my community. When you walk through HEB... That stat says that every other person, statistically, is lost and going to hell. Hmm. When we look at what is considered Bernie, not Bernie proper, but Bernie, it's a 10-mile radius from the center of Bernie. And if we take that that total and then we divide it by half, it says there's 25,000 lost people that call Bernie home, 25,000. We don't just need a bigger building, we need like five new churches. The harvest is white, the harvest is huge, eternity hangs in the balance. Now let's look across the world, you think 25,000 blows you away. According to the Joshua Project, there are many unreached people groups across the globe. An unreached people group is a group of people containing less than 2% of Christ's followers. These individuals have very limited, if any, access to the gospel. None None have an indigenous church capable of taking the gospel to the entire group. The Joshua Project highlighted 50 of the largest people groups that were unreached and just the 50 largest there's 1.48 billion souls there 1.48 billion so whether we're looking at 25,000 at home or a, a billion and a half across the world uh, that's pretty huge right and, and if we were already thinking, Lord, 25,000, how can me as one person who usually doesn't even share their faith really make a difference? And then much less one and a half billion. Well, there's a great story that you guys have probably all heard before, because, but because it's so awesome, I'm going to share it again and remind us of this great fact. The story goes like this. There was this young man walking along the beach. And this big storm had just come through, kind of like the one we just had. And the storm had driven thousands of starfish up onto the beach. And this fellow was was walking along the beach and taking starfish after starfish and picking them up and throwing them back in the water. Picking them up and throwing them back in the water. This other guy came up along the beach and and just kind of dumbfounded. He says, what are you doing? He said, if I don't take these starfish and throw them back in the water, when the sun comes out, they're going to dry out and, and, and they're all going to die. And he said, man, you're crazy. Look at all these starfish. You can't make a difference. And the guy looked at him and he said, picked up a starfish, threw it in the water. He said, I made a difference with that one. I made a difference with that one. And so. Instead of us looking at this number and feeling overwhelmed and saying, Lord, no way, I, I just gonna, I'm just going to go and shut my door and, and, and live in denial that, that this is just insurmountable, uh, insurmountable task. Instead, God says, I'm not asking you necessarily, He could, to share with 25,000 or one and a half billion. But he says, I just want you to be faithful to that one, to that one more. Or it might be three more, or it might be five more. It probably should be five more. If we don't know any lost people, or if we only know one lost people, one lost person, sorry, bad grammar, we need to get out. We need to get out into the world and get to know people who need Jesus. All right, so we know why we should pray for the lost. How do we pray for the lost? What in the world does this look like? How do we pray for the lost? First, we pray that God would give us a burden for the lost. Just like we talked about. Lord, burden my heart like Jesus' heart was burdened. Lord, burden my heart like Paul's heart was burdened. And again, this is not this thing where it just kind of changes our mind. What we're asking for is Holy Spirit, convince my spirit that the biggest thing that I could ever do on this earth is share you with other people. I'm convinced, guys, that, you know, I can't really, you know, give you all the theological aspects of it, but I think, you know, if Jesus loves us so much and Jesus died for us, if, if, if all we were called to do was to say yes to him, wouldn't you think he would just bring us home? Right? We have a reason to be here. There are things that we should be up to. Let's listen. Let's begin to take some steps. So, Lord, first, burden my heart. Burden my heart. Change my heart. That, that it's not something that I feel is a drudgery, but it's something that I wake up and say, today, Lord... Who who do I get to share your love with? Even in the most insignificant thing, who are you gonna use me to share you with? Number two, how do we pray? We pray that God would open your eyes to the lost. Lord, as I go through my day, open my eyes to those who need you. Shine down your light on on those people that, that I am called to build relationship with. Show me those people that I am called to lift up to you on a daily basis. Show me those people. And guess what? This week um, is, is, is the first week of the month. Thursday is the first Thursday of the month. What do we do on the first Thursday of the month? Right. Woo! Oh, man, I love you guys. Collide. Well, we're going to do something different for Collide this week. Instead of meeting here, we're going to prayer walk our neighborhoods. We're going to pray around our neighborhoods. We're going to walk around those blocks that we usually drive through and don't think a second thought about. And we're going to ask the Lord to move our hearts for whether it's each house or, or whichever house that the Lord draws us to, to pray for those people. And, and, and be open to any possible conversations. Even if it's about the weather. Hey, did y'all get any, you know, did you get any hail on Sunday? Um, something simple as that. God can use to open up this conversation into eternal things. Don't deny what God can use in the midst of just you being obedient to him. So. We're going to prayer walk our neighborhood. And then at 7.30, um, we're, going to, we're going to meet at the gazebo. Hopefully by that time, all the water will be drained out of the plaza. Um, and we're going to talk about what God did. We're going to talk about the things we saw. And um, we're going to get excited about the possibility of what God can do through us in our world. And we're going to have some worship. So we want to invite you guys there, 7.30, at the gazebo. So number two, we 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 pray, we pray that God would open our eyes to the lost. Number three, we pray for that person. We pray for that person. We, we, we talked about before that that it's not a it's not a human endeavor, right? That it's this spiritual thing. So first of all, in John 6 A, no one can come, no one Jesus was saying, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So we pray for John. This is John. We say, Lord, draw John to yourself. I know that his eyes are blind to you. And I pray that you would draw him to yourself. And Lord, if you would, I would love for you to use me in the process. But if not, use someone else. Or you know what? Here's what's crazy. This is, this is how awesome our God is. I've heard reports that even over in India, where there is no missionary that people are having dreams about Jesus. What? I believe people are having dreams about Jesus where there's no missionary because people are praying for the lost. So when we pray, Lord, draw John to yourself, God does crazy things. And we may not even know about it, but that's okay. God moves our hearts to pray. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says again, we read that before. That that the God of this world has blinded their minds. And so we stand in the gap for these people and we say, Lord, I I stand with you against the enemy for John. I rebuke the enemy and, and, and the way that he has blinded John's eyes. Father, step in and break that bondage so that John can see the love that you have for him and his desperate need for you. And then 1 Timothy 2, 3-4 says this, This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So we can pray in line with God's will. Lord, I thank you that you love John and that you desire for him to be saved. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray in line with your will that he, that he is ours, that he will be drawn into the kingdom. And I just want to pray in confidence and say thank you ahead of time. Because I know that your desire is for him to come to know you. And then last, John 13 35, it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we pray, Lord, show John the love of Christ through me. Show John the love of Christ through those around him. Whether it be people loving him directly or people loving each other in front of him. Show John... There's so many other ways that we can pray scripture but those are just a few that we can use to pray for those who are lost. Number 4, we pray for their needs. We can pray just for things that we know or if the spirit leads us we can we can say after we have created a relationship, "Hey John, you know, you've just been on my heart lately and I don't want this to be weird or anything." But I'd love just to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? It's pretty amazing what happens sometimes. Not all the times, but sometimes we'll do that for our waiter or waitress. And sometimes it, you know, they're kind of like uncomfortable. And other times they like, you know, I've had waitresses just bawling at our table. Just because we asked, we stepped out and we said, How can we pray for you? And uh, God moved. All right, number five, we pray in their midst. This is a spiritual, a spiritual activity. It's not a human endeavor. And when we're in the midst of, of John or we're in the midst of H-E-B, knowing that one out of every two people are lost, we say, Lord, open my eyes. Make me spiritually sensitive to all the things that you're doing around me. And then God allows you to join him in the process. God allows you to join him in the process. So... We know why we should pray. We know how we should pray. So what's standing in the way? What stands in the way of us joining God in his pursuit of people who are lost? I want to take a second and go back to last week. If you guys were here. We talked about birds not leaving the nest. And I think we have to be ready to surrender our right to stay in the nest. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable. We have to be willing to allow God to open our eyes. There are people maybe even in your own neighborhood, who are dying without a Savior. And we say, Lord, I surrender my right to sit. I surrender my right to stay in the nest. You know, it may seem scary and difficult, but when we take a leap out of the nest, everything changes. I don't know how many of you guys have had the privilege of being able to take a person from, from lost to found. It's the most spectacular experience you'll ever have. It will mess you up. Because the God of the universe allowed you, me, some insignificant person that just happens to have the power that raised Christ from the grave in him. To partner with him and to walk someone into eternity. Nothing better than that. Guys, we were made to soar. We were made to be out there. I agree, we need the nest. We need the nest. It recharges us, it trains us, it equips us, but we were meant for the sky. We were meant for the sky. We weren't meant for the nest. So here's the crazy thing. We don't have $100 in our pockets to give out. We don't have $1,000 in our pocket to give out. But we have something so much greater. We have life. We have life. Why in the world, in our own conscious with our eyes open, Can we lay our head on our pillow at night and say, I'm good. I got me, I got my ticket stamped. I got my family huddled up around me and I'm just gonna go through this life. Oh Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Let's pray that the Lord would change our hearts. Let's pray that the Lord would burden us for the lost. Let's pray that people would get to look at God's scripture and marvel at the truth and try with our own finite minds to understand the incredible reality of God's love. And so as we close, I want to read um, out of Ephesians 3, 4, uh, 14 to 21. And... and I want you to think as you hear these words, how can we keep this from the world? How can we hold this in our hearts? God through Paul says this, for this reason I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, we can't understand it, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God.